0: I'm Dr. Jill Weiner. I'm a white woman, a doctor, a meditation teacher, a tapping practitioner, a writer, and I'm an aspiring anti-racist, an identity which I must constantly strive towards, work on, and reevaluate. This podcast amplifies the powerful voices of women and men in all aspects of the anti-racist space, from healthcare to spirituality to criminal justice, to provide a nuanced, honest, and educational examination of systemic racism. I am here with Fabiana Campbell, so excited. She's one of my colleagues. She's a Vedic meditation teacher based in Brooklyn, and she's an eternal optimist. And Fabiana, I'm just so thrilled to have you here um, uh, to be interviewed. How are you? Thanks for joining me. I'm
1: great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you having me on this platform, on this forum where we're going to talk about racism and anti-racism, because it's a very brave place to step into as a person who is white and a person who is living in the time that we're Living in, and I also want to tell you thank you to your listeners who are tuning in because it just shows that they're willing to take that first step in dismantling these systems and these ideas that we have all been um, indoctrinated into.
0: Uh, Well, thank you, thank you. I always feel a little bit like mixed when people tell me I'm brave for doing work that, like, we should all white people should be doing, and I should have been doing it the first. 41 years of my life or 40 years of my life, but thank you for that. I do appreciate that. But um, I, I we'll, we'll move forward. This is not about me, but th- thank you for that. Um, so I'd love to know, we can just kind of jump right into it. Um, I, I've been exploring, started the series exploring a lot about COVID and, and health disparities, um, uh, racially based health disparities that have been a, an issue since well before COVID. Um, and it's been really interesting to get more into my my spiritual interests um, and talking with people who, who can help people listening understand spirituality through uh, the lens of racism and anti-racism, um, because it's, it's for, I think specifically for white people, it's not always easy to, to see how, how racism um, might, be, might have seeped in um, and, and taken over. So I'm gonna ask you, over our, our discussion today is gonna be focused a lot on that. Um, and so what I'd love to hear your, your take on is what is spiritual bypassing and how does it play out in the wellness community, um, particularly with respect to racism?
1: So before I even answer that question, I want to go and answer another question that you brought up. It's like how white people see themselves, you know, you know, they don't think of themselves as racist. And it's because of how racism is defined. Right. So white people tend to see racism as an individualized um, conscious. Um, mistreatment and malintent across races. And so, as an individual, I'm a good person. So, thereby being a good person, I can't be racist. And what that does is that all it does is just beautifully protects the definition of racism. And I seem to think that is part of the issue. And because, you know, there's this new podcast that I'm like really into. It's called Nice White Parents. And it's really going and exploring that idea of like, but I'm a good white person. I'm not racist. And it's like, no, racism is the Think that we're all unconsciously breathing in, um, just like the air. Sometimes we're conscious of it, sometimes we're not conscious of it. And it's all it's like seeping into all states of our consciousness, and we're um inadvertently acting upon based on the systems and the structures that we've put into place. So I just wanted to put that out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. I think it's very disarming. Like it's 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 like, oh, okay, I I can take myself, I mean, not really taking yourself out of the equation, but understanding mm-hmm. that my own my own complicity in it isn't because I'm evil, but it's because I exist. (laughs) And, and I have been, you know, raised in this system that has let it seep into me. I love that how you said that then I don't have to like, it doesn't have to be a personal judgment against me. I can take my own ego out of it and then I can just see what needs to be done. So thank you for clarifying that, that's great.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's a really important way to look at it because it really does shape and um, change the way you think about racism and how it affects you. Um, so spiritual bypassing, um, this is a really important topic and, you know, we're seeing a lot of it, um, happening, especially now as there's this an awakening of the state of consciousness and people awakening to the fact that they need a spiritual practice. And that's a part of, um, your whole care, like physical, mental, and spiritual. It's a part of your whole human care. But what spiritual bypassing is it's, it's rooted essentially in abandonment, repression and escapism of the messiness of life. So you're using spirituality to escape from the messiness of life. And so people are like, well, you know, good vibes only. I call those the the, the vibrational tribes. Like they're all about the vibrations. Like they only want the good vibes only. And what they're saying to you is that they want to arrive, but they don't want to go through a process because... Like you said, you know, I said to you that you were brave and you're like, I think it's weird that people say that I'm brave, but it is brave. It is brave to look at yourself in the mirror, do a personal audit and deal with all the demons and the traumas in your closet. I once had a potential student, um, who's actually gonna be a student soon, um, I said to her, like every every year I do this massive thing that I call a personal audit, like. Who I am now, who I intend to, who, what, are, what, what is my why for existing beyond, you know, what is my purpose that's not defined by my job or who I show up into society as and, I, and, and where I want to be, the things that I need to work on because we're all like works in progress. And I, and I said to her, I do this all the time and I, and I do it all the time, but every year I do a big, big one. It's my Maha audits. <laughs> um, and she hard. said to me, Explain Would what you maha is to the people. Oh, maha, M-A-H-A is a Sanskrit word for like large and huge. It's this immense thing that's like encompassing all things. So I said to her, yeah, I do this audit every year and I'm always looking to be a better version of myself because there's no point in this existence if you're not doing that, at least to me. And the person responded to me. and She said, you do that? That's the scariest thing that I can ever think about doing. And I was really taken aback by it because this is something I've been doing since I was a child. I've always like like trying to be a better version of, A human being. And for someone to really shake my world and tell me that it was so scary for them to look in the deep and in the mirror and deal with all their traumas, I was really taken aback by that because I'm someone who's like, I will trade through hell to, you know, and deal with all my demons so that I can, you know, experience my own um, liberation. And it's very difficult for people to do that because it really means that they have to face that. So, what spiritual bypassing does is that it represses those feelings and avoids those feelings. And um, it uses spirituality as the salve and not the solve, which is very, it's a salve, it's not the solve, you know? And what happens with those people, and you know, you've experienced this in in different spiritual communities, they have like these big outbursts of like anger or emotional responses that are just completely disconnected from the reality of what is happening. Like you're flipping out because you didn't get cream in your coffee. Like, I really don't think that's something you should be flipping out about, but because they're repressing so much, these feelings are just at the or end. They're ready to come out and they come out in these unexpected, uncontrollable ways. It's very dangerous. And it's, it actually takes away your, from your spiritual practice in general. That's a long answer.
0: (laughs) No, it's a great answer. That's a great answer. So, um, how does that play out, would you say, uh, with racism, uh, particularly in the wellness community?
1: Yeah, it pays out in several ways because people are spiritually bypassed, and because, you know, we're all one and we're all big consciousness, and it's all about unity, you know? And you see it's in all communities, in, in religious communities, in spiritual not religious and it's everything but this idea of um idolizing unity over justice results in silence right and so silence in the face of injustice is um you know siding with the oppressor and you see this played all the time like for example the incumbent that we have in the white house right now he was voting in by a lot of christian evangelicals and they're not the only ones there are a lot of other religious people and spiritual people who voted for him and these same churches and these same um, institutions, you'll see them, you know, send their missionaries or their people to Latin America and Africa, and they have these Instagram-worthy things of all the good that they're doing in the world. But they're at the same time they're simultaneously completely silenced in. Uh, the kind of uh, brutality that's against Black bodies and Black bodies lying in the streets or the massive, the massive rates of incarceration that we have in Black and brown bodies. And they're silent in all of that, in all, to, in, all in the guise of unity. This is very dangerous. It's, and, and so that's how spiritual pri- bypassing plays a role because they're favoring unity over justice and that equals to silence, which is equal to oppression. One of the ways. That's... Then, Oh, go ahead.
0: So beautiful. No, I'm like writing down your quotes. Like I have like so many already that I'm like, you're saying it in in such a wonderful, like, because I've been really like diving into spiritual bypassing a lot, but the the way you're describing it is really like hitting home with me.
1: Um, So I'm glad to hear that. um, Um, I think then the other thing is that people don't realize that with, you know, anti-racism work, anti-human work is spiritual work. You know, I said to you and we we, we spoke, about, spoke about this a few weeks ago when I said to you, um, you know, people are talking about good vibes only, you know, they're part of the vibration movement, you know, you know, only good vibes here. I only want the good things. And and that's great that you only want the good things, but the life is also flipped with the shadow and all the other stuff that comes with it. Um, but they don't realize that anti-racism work is spiritual work they go hand in hand and i said to you when we were having our conversation i said you know the the the, the fight that black people are fighting for in this world is not a good vibes fight. It's not about vibrational ascension. It's really it's an existential fight. It's a fight to be seen as whole and fully complex human beings. Mm-hmm. And so, when you start thinking about your anti-racism work as a spiritual work, it starts you. To, it it starts. It starts helping you to question what is humanity. What does it mean to be human? How do I show up in the world? How do I perceive others that show up in the world? Like this. This is really. It's all intertwined because. If you're working on your spiritual work to be a better version of yourself and a better human being, there's no way you can continue in that way and not have empathy and compassion for, for people and, and, and for people who are suffering from levels, huge, massive things of disenfranchisement and the injustice that you see in the world. If anything, you, you, you will be refused to stay silent. You're, you're going to want to act. And so, but you have to go in first for that to come out. It's not enough to say, like, we're in this period of these, like, these very short-term, you know... declarations of anti-racism and all of that, but that's not enough to change the systems and the systemic racism that we are dealing with in our society and the systems of inequalities. And you see it play out in everything, right? So, you know, first it was the black people, like con- consistently in- disenfranchised. And, and, you know, I was to tell people like, when your oppressor, when my oppressor is done with me, they're gonna move on to you because that's how oppression works, right? And so you're seeing that in in the United States where we have a plutocracy and we don't have a democracy really. And so people are struggling, especially during the pandemic, they're like, their financial needs are not met, their health needs are not met, their educational needs are not met. And they're realizing for the first time in a long time how unequal this system is, but they're willing to go along with it to go along with it for a long time, because it wasn't happening to them, it was only happening to Black people.
0: Yeah, there's so much right now that, yeah, like people losing their health insurance because they got laid off because of COVID, and now actually seeing that's such a good point, like, it, it, you're right, it's, like, it's gonna come for you, and, and it's easy to pretend it's always easy to, to other and, and to point your fingers elsewhere um, to make excuses, But but we're all... So how do you, I mean, this is a, how do you, like, because you and I are Vedic meditation teachers. We're from the same tradition. Yeah. I, I still do believe that we are all one thing. Like we are made of the same energy particles and we are all, that's not the lived reality. So how do you, how do you reconcile it? The, the, we can point our fingers, but we really are all in this together, except we're not, but like the lived reality versus the like spiritual tenet of that.
1: Well, I do think that the spiritual tenet is a lot of the lived reality. We're just, we're in the shades of ignorance, you know? So the way in which that we're going about leading our lives with this spiritual bypassing is de-evolutionary. It doesn't help us to evolve into this 're re remembering of we 're all one thing, mm-hmm. what it does is that it actually separates us from this re- the reality that we are all one thing, yeah. and so it 's actually de evolving and so, like I said, you know you find that these people are spiritual bypassing all they 're not being present because you know I find that with the thing about spiritual bypassing is that it, it completely it ignores the human body and the human condition because what you're looking for is outside of you, but you and I both know that the body is a temple of the divine. And so you have to, you have to be present and be embodied. And so by spiritual bypassing it's actually, it's really de-evolutionary because you're not allowing for true creation to happen. What you're doing is that you're stuck in, you're staying in a place of like maintenance. And when maintenance happens, you know, destruction is going to happen because you're just trying to maintain this perception that everything is okay and everything is all right and everything happens for a reason that's my favorite one and so you and so what happens is that it's not allowing you to have the flexibility to adapt to the changing environments and change the systems that you need to change so for us to all remember that we're all one thing. And I don't think everyone is going to become a meditator. You know, Let's just be re- real about that. But the ones who are and the ones who are doing this spiritual work are real agents of change in a, to change a system so that everyone else can open up and realize that they are also one thing even if they don't have this practice.
0: Yeah. But I also think it's important that, like doing, doing the work doesn't just mean sitting for twenty minutes twice a day and meditating. But it actually means, like, using that because that's that's a lot of the problem with spiritual bypassing. You and I have talked about like just by becoming a meditator, we're sort of it's an inherently taught in our tradition that that's enough.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a flawed idea because um, at the part of you know I always go back to yoga stakuru karmani. Um, And that's Sanskrit for establish in being perform action, you know, so it's good that you're sitting down for 20 minutes twice a day to meditate because we're meditating to get better at life, not to get better at meditation. So as you're getting better at life, it means that once you open up your eyes into your waking state, you're going to realize like this is such a disconnect with the reality of what the experience is, is to, which is which is we are you know individual vehicles of you know individualized expressions of divine consciousness, and you wake open up your eyes and you're like wait this is this is the opposite of that and why is that so? What can I do within my society or within my milieu to make a change so that more people can have the access and the agency to access these tools? you know because the thing about it is that you know the reality is that people will say that yeah, but you don't have to be wealthy to afford meditation and do all that stuff. But there is a cost to doing all of this, whether it is a time cost where you go to an ashram and you put your time in or you pay some money for it. And the reality is that the way that we've structured our society is that time is of a limited resource for most people and most working class poor people. And so is money, right? So it's like, you, you, you have to kind of like balance these two things and offer a way for people to access it. So if, if, if you can't afford it right now, what am I doing to dismantle a system that you can have access to the basic things that you need so your life can be more enriched for you to start thinking not just about your core basic needs from your muscle hierarchy of needs, but the things that are going to actually give you liberation, because many of us are free, but we're not liberated. Mm. Those are very different things. Tell me more. Because you know, there's a lot of social conditioning and social trapping. So, I would argue that you know, black people we don't have chains on our hands and feet anymore, and white people are not changed and haven't been changed in this chained in this country for the most part. Um, but most people are mentally. Enslaved and they're mentally entrapped by the social conditionings around us There's a lot of social conditioning and a lot of social hypnosis and they are rendered that in that way to 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 remove choice Social conditioning social um, Hypnosis removes choice. It makes us choiceless and there are times when it makes sense and for the most part It doesn't so I'll give you a time when it makes sense it is, it is the right thing to do and polite that when you wake up in the morning and you go outside, you say hello to your neighbor that's a part of our social conditioning, right? Um, it's, a, it's, it's a part of the, 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 the morales and the, the expectations of our society to, to do that. And that makes sense because you don't think about it. You see your neighbor, you're like, hey, hey, Jill, how are you doing? That's great. Bye. And you move on. But then there's, a, there's a w- ways in which it's very, very sinister and it shows up in our lives all the time. Well, you're a Black girl, so you are not supposed to um, be as outspoken as you are in your meetings or you, you know, you're not going to make him any money being an artist. Why don't you go to med school? You know, those kinds of things. And then you start to believe that. And so what happens that you ignore your own intuition, you ignore the things that, you know, your, 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 your own truth is telling you, you bypass that to apply some conditions or some ideas that the world has told you to believe. And it, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's a filmmaker. She's one of my favorite curatives. And she was talking about Orange is a New Black and why she stopped watching it. And she was saying that in all the scenes with the woman, with white women and they were having intercourse or having an intimate moment, it would, they would be on a bed or they would be like some kind of um, dream thing where they were like feathers were coming down, et cetera. But anything with the woman of color, it would be like they were all in the back of a closet, it was always rough and it was always aggressive. And so that was playing a role, it was subtle, and it was playing a role in the film and then you see how the social conditioning comes into play because white women are seen as the em- emblem of femininity and fragility and all other women are not that. And so they are playing these roles, even in an intimate setting that tells you that they're not that. And that's a social conditioning coming in again it's a, it's leaving us without choice, and we don't think about it because we're like, oh, they're talking about women in who are incarcerated. At least they're giving voices to these women, but you're not looking at the nuances that are happening when it comes on to race when you're talking about voices,
0: yeah, and it's so deep. I mean, there's so many layers of it. I've watched that show and 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 uh, never noticed that, of course. So it'll be interesting if I ever do watch it again to to pay attention. but but pictures in the media, you know, they're like black athletes are like, ah, I've talked about this before on this show. Like the the pictures that you see in media, the way that black people are represented are, are not like, and then compared to the way that white people are pre- uh, represented in the same context are totally different. And it's not even something that white people notice. It's just like, that's what you see and that you don't even realize that it's like making a mark inside your brain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of conditioning.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like once you, and it's actually funny. Cause like the, the pictures that I, I take screenshots for this, but for uh, my YouTube covers mm-hmm. I always make sure to get like a screenshot of like the person I'm interviewing looking like lovely and smiling and me being like, eh! cause like I just think it's like, <laughs> like my, me and I cover my face up with with words and stuff like that it's it's, it's intentional right. because I feel like we need to take steps to like reverse the way that 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 people are portrayed in media um so what what's why is it problematic for white people to tell people anyone or people of color to lead with love and we've, we've sort of gotten at this but th- that's a that's a particularly annoying thing that people say and can be harmful
1: um, we lead with love. Everything happens for a reason. It's actually quite a- offensive to people who are dealing with oppression. Um, because as you're saying that again, you know, I always go back to inquiry. Are you leading with love
0: mm-hmm.
1: are, 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 is everything happening in your life for a reason? Because I can tell you everything is happening for a reason. You're not wrong about that. And it's happened for the reason because we have developed and engineered systems of inequities and oppression. That's why it's happening. You know, um, lead with love. You're right. We should have more love and light in the world. And I'm all here for that. But again, making a declaration about that without actually understanding what is happening in the system, it's, it's, it's a form of spiritual bypassing. You're like, you know what? I just, that's just too much for me. I can't listen to the news. I can't do any of that all i can offer is that i'm just going to lead with love and light in in, in the world and just try to, to 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 do that as much as possible it is spiritual bypassing it is avoidance it's avoidance of the realities of what's our, what's happening in your society and after a while you know they you know, those, those systems will come to your doorstep. I, I think about it this way. It's like America is a house or like the world's a house, right? Let's say America, America is a house and black people on the ground and that's burning down and black people are on the ground floor. And once that burns down, the rest of the house is going to come down too. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, all of this is going to come to you, but leading with love when you're not actually demonstrating that in your lived experience and not really doing the inquiry to what's happening is it's, it's, it, it, it's quite offensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's such a like, it's so pervasive in, mm-hmm. in the you know, Western spiritual wellness community. Um, how does meditation help us confront racism and other bias?
1: So I think that, again, spiritual work is um, anti-racism work, anti-human work, because racism is just anti-human. That's just what it is. Um, what spiritual, what spiritually does and what meditation does is that, you know, when we're, we're sitting down, we're like all a ball of stress and traumas. That's just a lot of, all of us have a lot of those, whether you agree, whether you agree with that statement or not, there's something that has happened into your life that has left some kind of, um, what in Sanskrit, they call it samskara, a scar or an, an impression in your life, right? Negative or positive. Um, and we all have that in our life. What meditation does, at least what we do, and I I think most meditation practices do that, is that it helps you to de-excite the nervous system and it allows you to rest deeply and release massive amounts of stress. Now, that's a, very, that's a very interesting little uh, mechanism because w- when we say stress, we're using this as a very broad term to describe a whole bunch of crap. Like it could be like repressed emotions, depression, your anxiety, and you're releasing all of that. And, and as you release all of that, it allows you to be more present and more sustainable in life and more adaptable. Because if you're not bogged down with all of your stresses, you're more able to adapt to the massive changes that and the constant pressures that are life. I mean, I've sat down, you, you know this, Jill. You've had, you've probably had these. You sit down in the meditation, you're like, ah! <laughs> you cry the whole time because you're just like releasing this massive amount of stress that you've built up. And, and, and I think meditation is a very gentle way of dealing with these stresses. And it also, more importantly, it, it also helps break the social conditioning. Because as you get to sit down, and the body's a temple of the divine, and I truly believe that, and you have these experiences where you're, where you're, you're sitting in the palm of the greatest architect that is, and you realize, wait, we're all one thing, and it, it starts. You start breaking through ideas and concepts that you have, like what is it to be a woman? Like what does femininity look like? You know, sometimes these things come through your meditation. And you're just like. Well, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Or you wake up in your waking state and you're like, well, that doesn't seem right to me. Let me challenge that um, condition. Like I had a student the other day who um, it, they do windows and tints mm-hmm. and they walked past the school every single day. Um, it had a broken window. Never thought about it. Never thought twice about it. Didn't really matter. Some of the windows needed repairing, And um, one day, they're, you know, they're, they've been meditating for a little bit at this point. They walk past them and they're like, those windows are broken. I wonder why they're broken for that school. And so they go in now and they went to the school to find out how they can help to um, fix the windows and repair the windows, because you know, winter was coming. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that matters because, like, again, he, the, all the stresses that that person was running around with, it didn't allow them to open up their awareness to the realities of the space that they were living in and their lived experience, then the stresses start falling away. You start de-exciting the nervous system and resting very deeply, getting rid of the stress. And you're able to be more present and be in your human body. You know, like it's very important for us to not feel disembodied from the body that we're in. We've chosen these bodies and come to these bodies for a reason. Um, And so when you think about spirituality, it's not about, you know, transcending the body and the human experience. You've chosen a human experience because you are true, cho- you know, it's probably one of the best tools to liberation, whether people believe that or not.
0: Right, right. I, so, so this was, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but the, the concept of, of reincarnation is something that I was never raised to believe, but um, going through the learning Vedic meditation and, and learning more about Vedic uh, philosophy and culture, it made sense to me it was sort of like yeah you chose this life for a reason you you had a specific lesson to learn um your soul chose it uh, even if it's ugly it's not your soul but the life even if there's pain you're you're learning a specific lesson and then you're evolving and you you go to the next and next lifetime until you're liberated now i I have heard that used as a way to explain like some of the horrible things I saw in the healthcare system for the 19 the year old of my patient of mine who died of leukemia and all these things. It's like, no, she chose that body for a reason. I feel like it's a very privileged way to see the world, even though this, this, you know, tradition comes from India and there's people of, of, of profound poverty there um, who believe it. Um, and it's it's part of their culture, but like, how do you talk about that in terms of anti-racism and racism? Because there's A, this assumption that, that somehow finding the spiritual path, you are therefore more evolved. Um, and B, there's this assumption of, of like, oh, well, you chose this body, therefore it's not you can like step away from it a little bit. It's just, Oh, that's just the life that you chose. Like I had a student who was a, a tapping client who was molested and she was like, I don't believe that. I did not choose this lifetime to be molested. Like that's not, that's not, you know? And so how do you, how do you reconcile that with the lived realities of people?
1: Again, spiritual bypassing is just, yeah. which is the topic that we're discussing right so yes, you know if you if you chose to believe in reincarnation, that's fine. If you choose not to believe it, that's fine i you know whether you believe it or not is not any of my concern um but the idea that someone chose to be black or chose to be molested or chose to have an experience that was or chose to be poor that's not real like we have engineered systems that have created massive amounts of poverty Um, during the pandemic the heights of the pandemic i mean we're still in it because you know coronavirus is an american virus because we have more people who died from coronavirus than anywhere else in the world at this point so hey um during the pandemic like in march the 300 people made 360 million dollars in less than three months that's that's concerning. Mm-hmm. So you are you telling me that I chose to be born into poverty? No, I chose to be born into this life and this human experience. It so happened that we have very have a very sick society that engineers these levels of poverty. And the idea with this reincarnation thing, which is a very um misunderstood is that you're not trying to like learn this lesson so you can move on to the next life to learn the next lesson. The goal is to get liberated in every lifetime. So you don't have to do all of that because that's just a lot of pain and suffering. Like, but I don't, I don't believe that, you know, people choose their traumas and stuff. I, I, I believe that the trauma that happens to you is not your fault, but I think it's your responsibility to heal from them. And I don't think those to have. I don't think those two things have anything to do with reincarnation and spirituality and everything else. I think again, when you have a, like, and we've heard this a lot of times in our community, when you have an experience that's negative or you know embodies the messiness of human lives, and mm-hmm. someone tells you, "Well, you chose that life." I yes, I did choose that choose this life, but I did not choose this traumatic experience. Mm. And for you to tell um, a young child or anyone who's been assaulted that they chose that experience is, it's, it's very troubling to me. And it's, it, it lacks empathy, it lacks compassion, and it, it, it's, again, too evolved with the spiritual worm and not the actual activities that are actually happening in the human body like, and in our, in, our, in our manifested life. That's, yeah. It's very disturbing, actually very disturbed by it.
0: Yeah. So, and I think there's also this notion that privileged people are better, you know, like, 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 and one thing that's been hugely important for me to realize and understand is just because I have privilege in this life doesn't mean that I am better. Or, and, and in fact, I think it's a, it's a, as we've talked about, it's a, it's a handicap. It's a weakness. It's like, um, it, it keeps me from seeing the reality of life. It keeps me from seeing the real unity between people is that privilege and all, all that that's like caked onto it, growing through, going through life, um, in that way. So, so I think there's also this like myth in the spiritual community of like, I chose this life because I was rewarded. And now I'm a meditator and I'm, you know, like privileged and I don't have to deal with the oppression, but I think, I think that's so wrong. You know, I, 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 there's lessons to learn that have allowed me to start to recognize my privilege and start to try to dismantle it. But, but people see privilege, it's not a good, it's not a good thing. It's like recognizing it is, is one step, but also understanding that it keeps us down rather than it being something to aspire to having a life of privilege. Does that make sense? I see what you're
1: saying because, um, well, if I understand what you're saying, you are saying that privilege is, is, is bad and um, it, it, it makes people think that they're better because they have privilege. But what they don't understand is this, is that privilege, in a sense, it gives, makes you better from a material um, standpoint because it gives you access to certain things. So it's not that you've made good choices, it's that you had good choices, you see what I'm saying? Versus like someone who is um, low income, didn't have a proper school system, didn't have proper, lives in a food desert, um, didn't have access to um, proper healthcare. And they're like, well, and they ended up, you know, not having the material gains or the access or not it, 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 um, emancipating from that level of poverty and going to another um, socioeconomic level. And you're like, well, you know, they just made bad choices. They didn't make bad choices. They just didn't have them. So it's yeah. like it's a, you, privilege allows you the ability to access different things and access different opportunities yeah you know so it doesn 't make you better; it just gives you a different level of access, and I think we need to understand it that way is that what it what it allows you to access you deciding now to become a Christian a Buddhist, a Vedic meditator, a, a Hindu, whatever your spiritual modality is in whatever lifetime that you live does not make you better than someone who is not doing that mm-hmm. and as a matter of fact, one could argue the reason why you 're able to do this is because. You have a certain, um, you know, a a certain economic. You're in a certain socioeconomic level, and you have some kind of financial stability where you can go and leave the United States or leave your country and buy a plane ticket and go to India for four to six months to a year, Mm -hmm. and or pay the 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 monetary requirement that it is to learn to meditate. So your privilege gives you the access to all these things, and that's and that's an important thing to understand because here we're talking about black people, but black people, there's, there's, that's not a monolith. You know, there's no black community. There's black communities that have the homogeneous experience of racism. That's all it is. That's only, besides the call for skin and racism, that's the, that's the thing that is the most, you know, you know, common across the black community. But there's, it's, it's not a monolith. There's a lot of nuances within it, ethnicities, class, you know, gender, all this other stuff. Um, but privilege does not make you better. What it does, it allows you to get access to different things. And this is why when you go to Countries that were formerly enslaved and or colonized, they look for, there's a lot of colorism there where people are looking like, I'm light-skinned and I'm, my, my family is like Danish or European descent or something of the sort, because by jockeying for that proximity to whiteness, it allows them access to a, um, certain things and certain opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that. It's, it's not a decision... A choice you made it's a choice you had
1: yeah you you had different choices
0: and I I think it's not like I did something right by that led me you know in a past life that led me to this life where I'm white and I don't I don't have to fear for my life but so that's love nice you know but but that doesn't other than that like that's the only that's what privilege gets you is like not having to be oppressed by that system, but it doesn't give you any sort of like moral or, or it doesn't give you a moral high ground moral, any, yeah, not. And, and I actually think it sets you back because you aren't able to see it's harder. It's even harder to see the reality of, of lived experience in this world. So thank you for, for explaining that. Cause that's, that's something I've been um, working my way through and, and trying to, um, Reconcile, um, and it's it's uh, lovely to hear your your thoughts about that. Um, can you talk about the importance of having a safe space and wellness for BIPOC, for Black and Indigenous people of color, to heal? And what do white wellness need, white wellness le- leaders need to know about the spaces they provide, and why BIPOC might not feel safe there? Uh,
1: yeah, this is this is a toughie, because. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who've gone to therapists, or they've been into spiritual communities. I've been in spiritual communities myself, and been like, mm, "This is definitely not the space for me," um, because of all the spiritual bypassing and the the downplaying and the avoidance of the realities that 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 are, and you know that that we're living through. And it's really important to have a um, a safe space, quote unquote, because in a spiritual environment, what we're talking about is like, we're talking about true vulnerability. What we were talking about before with that personal audit. We're talking about me looking and dealing with all my traumas and the, 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 the things that have happened to me. Mm-hmm. And you need a space in which you can fully explore all of that and all the messiness of humanity. So when you explain to someone, like I've experienced this moment, and it was indeed racist and they're like well don't worry about it you know you chose this life for a reason or don't you know just don't mind them just lead with love or one of those other you know seemingly innocuous statements it's quite harmful and it's quite triggering or I've had situations where I'm like this is the thing that happened and I've been it's been turned against me to be like I am the problem and not the person that's the problem you know, there's no like looking within. So it's really important that when you, when people are being vulnerable and they're navigating all the, the, the traumas of their lives that they have a space that they feel comfortable doing that. Unfortunately, most BIPOC people, black people, indigenous people of color do not feel that way when they go into these white spiritual spaces, which are mostly white, unfortunately. And that really becomes down to access and access to resources. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, wellness and the wellness industry has become quite white. It's a lady with long blonde hair or a brunette with long hair. She's really thin. She's wearing Lululemon or some other kind of brand. And she can do these amazing flexible poses with her body. And that's what, 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 that's what wellness looks like. It does not look black. It does not necessarily look Indian either. It only looks Indian from the standpoint of you have a guru who is, who is teaching you, but not like real activism or real teachers in the space. And which is fascinating to me, given that this whole um, meditation thing, the Vedas, Buddhism, it comes from India and it comes, well, Buddhism does come from India, What not what we consider modern in India, but where, where, what the actual Asian India was. And, and then it, it, the, the entire wellness space is devoid of these people. Um, so it's, 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 it's very troubling. The only way you get that kind of, um, you stop that hemorrhaging is if people do the work and if these wellness teachers do the work. Again, what does it mean to be white? how has being white shaped your life? Mm -hmm. And, you know, by doing that, you're going to allow some kind of empathy to come in. But what happens in these spaces is that there's not any, there's a lack of empathy for someone else's experiences that doesn't look like yours. And I mean, at the same time, I'm just like, why would they have empathy? Their whole world is white. they've already stepped into a place. That's also white, where everyone is just like, peace, love, blessings, and namaste, you know? Um, so I'm asking them to take a huge leap when they have demonstratively shown that they're not capable of doing that because they're not actively doing that.
0: Yeah. Did that answer your question? It did. It did. Um, cause I, I feel like there's a lot of more like, Oh, I just, I want to attract more, more students of color, but like, you can't, you've got to, I mean, we're talking about vibrations. You've got to like, Attractive. You've got to create within yourself and, and, and what you're creating as your community, a place that feels safe, but without being like, I need you to come to my studio so I can feel better about myself for being like diverse and inclusive. It, it needs to be authentic. It needs to come from a, a place of true uh, introspection and, and empathy, like you're saying. So I think, yes, that's, that's
1: justice over unity. And again, these spiritual communities are all like, but we're all one, we're just one. You don't have to worry about it. Like everyone's black, you know, everyone migrated from Africa. Yes, that is very true. However, (laughs) our lived experiences are very different.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like we're all African.
1: no, 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 no. That's not how that works. And again, that whole we're all African is no different from all lives matter. Mm. Because what you're doing is that you're saying to me, your experience doesn't matter because we're all one and i see us as one except i don't treat you as such and we are living in systems that treat you differently from how they treat
0: me and i'm benefiting yeah exactly
1: and i'm benefiting from it which is basically um what is what someone said to me it's 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 um assimilation and if you're trying to assimilate into the larger group without recognizing human differences and celebrating those differences and you know, um, appreciating those differences, you're also an oppressor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we're almost out of time. I do want to ask you one last question. Um, what three things do you wish all white people did or knew in terms of anti-racism? I actually wrote it down. <laughs> so what I always go back to
1: Jill, and you know I say this all the time, inquiry, inquiry, inquiry. Inquire, what does it mean to be white, and how does whiteness shape your life? I also encourage them to read the birth of the nation, not um, the the glorified versions of it, but really about how this country was formed. Um, A good way to start is by starting with the 1619 project that was led by Nicole Hannah-Jones, a great introduction, and from there you will have much more reading material after. And then realize that blackness is not a monolith. Um, there's no black community. There are black communities that are all having this homogeneous experience of systemic racism. Um, and you know, I think that would allow people to realize that, you because know, I, te- I, te- I tend to think that white people live outside of race. Everybody else is a race and they're just people. Right. That will help you to kind of challenge that assumption about what that is, so. Yeah, those Love are it. my three
0: Those are great. Those are great. And the 1619 Project um, is, is incredible. I haven't seen a new episode come out in a while, but there were like, and maybe I haven't checked in a while, but they're just in this like subtle, like way, totally like every episode, just like shifting, everything of how I see the and, world. And
1: you can read the articles too. The articles are actually quite good as well, because I think that there's excerpts from the articles and the interview and all of that. And, and then, you know, anti-racism work all, all, always um, always helps. You know, Me and White Supremacy by Layla Saad. I'm actually reading um, Ibram um, Kendi's book, How to Be Anti-Racist as well. But I like Layla Saad's book a lot because it's a, a book that you do not just read. Yeah. Um Candy also has um I think he also has a 21 day guide which is like a book that you also do not read. And then um the that,
0: that one might there there might be an actual like imposter like he might actually have one, but I think there might also be one that's out there that's like saying it's a compendium or a guide to his, but that he didn't write. So for anyone listening, oh, good I good to I saw know. Him post about that. So just make sure that you're getting one that he actually wrote. and Right.
1: I like Layla Sads, Me and My White Supremacy yeah. a lot, because that's a book that you actually do. Then there's Dr. Eddie Moore's um, 21 Day Racial Equity Building Challenge that I also like as well. Um but you know, it's, it's good that we all refresh and re-educate ourselves about how this country was formed, how the West was formed, mm. building of the West by Black bodies. Um, <laughs> um, and it's, it's very good that we understand that and the true nature of it, and it will, it will help us all confront the realities of our um, society, because we're, not, we're, we're all poorly educated, all of us.
0: Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing those resources. How can people find you and work with you? I know you're in, you're in Brooklyn. Um, you teach meditation. Um, how can people, if they want to learn uh, from you or, or, or see what you have to say in the world, how can they find you?
1: Yes, you can find me at um, info at pureritam, P-U-R-E-R-I-T-A-M.com um ritam is a sanskrit word it's the truth underlining the entire universe i'm always based in truth it's all, it's all about truth for me um so you can find me there info at um i am doing also um weekly group meditation sessions so you're welcome to join those as well and uh, yeah
0: great and are those virtual
1: <laughs> those are virtual yes they're happening on zoom
0: So people can just email you if they want to.
1: Yes. Please email me if you want to join, email me if you want to learn, or if you have a friend in Brooklyn who wants to learn, I'm open. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, I'm ready and willing to teach. Awesome. Always.
0: And are these group meditations for people in the Vedic meditation tradition only, or are they for all comers?
1: You know um, what I've been doing, they've been mostly for Vedic meditators, but I'm, I open up my meditation to anyone who has some kind of meditation practice who wants to learn to meditate, who wants to meditate for 20 minutes, because after that there's usually a discussion about a different topic or something, or people ask questions. There's a lot of richness that can be had and a lot of things that you can learn that
0: way. Wonderful. All right. Well, Fabiana, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, Jill.
1: This was wonderful. Got
0: into it today. I love it. Getting really, you know, answering some, some tough questions about spirituality and, and, some of these myths and, and um, platitudes that are out there and just really dismantling those, I think is so, so important um, because spirituality can be used as a weapon and it can also be used as a, a tool to heal and to, to actually make the progress that we need, but it, it has to be done in the right way. And, and we're so lucky to have people like you in this world who are, who are leaders in that way. So thank you for joining. here. Spirituality, the solve, not the salve. I love it. it. All right. Thanks, Fabiana.
1: Okay. Thank you, Jill. Have a wonderful rest of the day. You too.